Chad, I have exciting news. Yeah? We have our first shout out. Nice. Yes, yes, yes. This shout out goes to at Summer Rains on Twitter. Yeah. Do you want to know why? Why? Because she shared our podcast. Yeah, that's what a shout out is. But I want to do a shout out here on the podcast for S-U-M-M-E-R-R-E-I-G-N-S. Did I spell that right? Yeah. Yay! Thank you for the shout out. Thank you so much, Summer. You're awesome. You are. We really appreciate it. We need all the support we can get. And the more people share, the more shout outs to come. Yes. Yay! Bye. Bye. Hi, Chad. Hi, Fresenia. Our topic today is school. All the things that school is to a kid, which is more than just education. And oftentimes for LGBTQ plus kids, that's very difficult because we don't live in a society that necessarily makes room for them. Not really. We're going to discuss your experience with different kinds of school settings. Not only how those settings affected you, how you affected change in those settings as well. Let's get on with the episode, shall we? All right. There is a note, there is one perfect way of being, and I know that I will find it out someday. And there are times when I find myself repeating every stupid thing I swore I'd never say. But I will rise, I will face the morning laughing, and I'll try and find myself along the way. But there are days that I keep myself from crying as I try and face another goddamn day. Hello and welcome to Gender Euphoria Podcast, where we amplify the voices of LGBTQ plus teens by listening to their stories growing up in American society. So on the topic of schools, tell us a little bit about your experience with school in the past. Education-wise, I've always been fine. Kind of been treated like one of those gifted kids. Very much. Very much so. (laughs) And so I've never really had a problem education-wise The problem has always been socially. Right. Just throughout my life, I've struggled to make and keep friends. And that only got worse as I got older. It seemed that once you entered adolescence, keeping and maintaining friendships became exceedingly challenging. It got to the point where you stopped trying to make friends with people. Yeah. What were your favorite memories being in a school setting? I don't have a lot. Reading. You did do a lot of reading. Yeah. Math for a good portion of time. History was very interesting. Uh, Science. I I like a lot of subjects. Where would you say you had the biggest challenges after you came out? With the kids surrounding me, my peers, it was less of a problem at first, when I first came out, the first couple schools I went to, the problem wasn't necessarily my peers, who, for the most part, didn't really seem to care at that age, but rather the adults surrounding me. Okay. They would cause a problem about it. At one point, I was in the male bathroom because that's just the one I preferred for whatever reason. Yeah. And when I went out, the principal of the school came and informed me that I could no longer go in that bathroom. I had to go in the public female restroom from then on. Mm -hmm. 
honestly, just the fact that she continued with that, even after seeing me break down crying in front of her was um, an experience. Yeah. Their compromise that they had come up with was that you could use the staff bathroom, but that wasn't the bathroom you were comfortable using. And although it gave you the privacy you needed, that wasn't the point. (laughs) It's just, they, they assign these things onto you and then they expect you to follow them when they don't make sense and they have no reason to exist. Yeah. It didn't work out at that school. Fortunately, that was your sixth grade year. And so you didn't have to return the following year because you were beginning middle school. Yeah. Because of the challenges that you faced, you weren't very excited about middle school. It was at that point I began to just stop caring and stop working. In your, on your education, right? Yeah. I was never really excited for school at that point. Yeah. But I think it was at that point we decided I would go to online school for middle school. Your experiences at school were in a lot of ways, your reaction to the lack of support you were getting from the school you attended, and also a symptom of your own mental health at the time. And all of this compounded, and you wanted to start online school. This just wasn't an area that I was very experienced with or familiar with. And all I knew about online schools was homeschooling, which required the parent to be the teacher. And I knew that that wasn't something I could do because I was working at the time. And I wasn't comfortable leaving you home alone. And so this, this was a transition for us as a family, a huge transition. And I wasn't sure if I was making the right decision for you. You know, as, as a parent, we have to weigh the decisions that we make for our children. And we have to kind of do some fortune telling, like, is this going to work out to their benefit or is this going to hurt them? And I just didn't know how this was going to affect you or your education. So we took a gamble with putting you in online school. Fortunately, I can look back and say it was a good decision for you. It was probably the best decision we could have made for you at that time. Yeah, it was a rough transition school-wise education-wise, but the rest of it was pretty nice. Yeah. And near the end of it, I remember feeling happy. The impact it had, I think, was beneficial because I remember wanting to go back to public school for high school and being excited for it because I wanted to make friends. Right. I feel like Your time spent in online school for the entirety of middle school gave you the break that you needed from the social aspect of school life. And at a time when you were very vulnerable and we recognized that by giving you that break, you were able to figure things out. You were able to work on your mental health and work towards your education and not have to worry about the social aspect or bathrooms, or what you're wearing, or you had trouble getting up in the morning, sometimes couldn't get out of bed. You know, there were days that you had a really difficult time. And this allowed you the space, this allowed you the freedom to say, I'm not going to get out of bed today, but that doesn't mean I can't do what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So after you had been in online school, the entirety of middle school, you were preparing to enter high school. I felt excited. I wanted to go. We enrolled you. Yeah. You know, I knew for a fact that those 
you know, high school musical, all that media about high school. I wasn't believing any of it to be true. I knew that it would probably be underwhelming if I tried to view it under any kind of lens like that. And I was aware that there would be bad experiences. However, I believed myself to be ready and prepared because that's just something I'll have to deal with in life. When I first came in, everything seemed fine. There were some good people. There was a GSA club. There were nice people. It just slowly kind of got worse and worse because the high school I was at was pretty homophobic. But it was overwhelming to walk across campus and hear the F slur approximately three times. Yeah. Was it ever directed toward you? No. There would sometimes be arguments in class. There would be people making fun of trans women. There would be people in class. Not cool. There would be people in class saying things. And then the teacher would, you know, try to stop that. Yeah. And I would just kind of sit there awkwardly. I don't know if anyone was aware I was gay. Um, I don't know if that was ever something people thought of me. Yeah. And we should clarify too, when you say the school was pretty homophobic, you mean the student body, not necessarily the school administration or teachers. The school administration was fine. I don't blame them for it. I do think that there could be more attempts to curb those kinds of things, but I don't blame them for it. More education needs to be given to the students about these issues. This is a different situation than what you dealt with in elementary, which was the staff and administration that was the issue. Yeah. But it was flipped. It was, you know, the teachers and the administration were great. In fact, they kind of went above and beyond to try to make your experience better while you were there. Yeah. Letting you know that they were an ally and they were on your side. And if you ever need them for anything, they were there for you. And that I thought was wonderful. But they're not the only ones who create the environment. The students also create the environment. People refer to autistic people as retarded. I think people need to know that that is not okay. That's not cool. When they're talking about someone who is LGBTQ+, saying things like faggot, that's not cool. Don't say those things. Even if you don't mean those words in an intentionally derogative way, if you have friends who use them and they understand, oh, we're just joking around, still not cool. Because when you say those things, there are other people around, especially in a school environment, who are going to hear you say that and it's going to hurt them. Whether you meant it or not is beside the point. There's someone within earshot that it can hurt. And it's not okay to use that language. Jokes and I, about I, minorities always hurt those minorities, regardless, they do. regardless I, of your intentions. And the only reason I'm using these words is to clarify not to use them. And I only say this because I know that there are teenagers who do attend schools are going to listen to this and they're going to wonder, well, I mean, I say it as a joke and I only say it to my friends and they know what I mean. Not cool. It's just not cool. Just don't do it. It's not worth making your friends laugh if you're hurting someone in the process. And that's my public service announcement. Um, Other than, you know, the entire school experience that I had, things were pretty okay. Yeah. At at first, when I first came in, things were fine. Um, I think only one teacher misgendered me. And honestly, I'm not even that mad because 
I mean, you couldn't really, sometimes you couldn't really tell. Um, people would refer to me as male, which was pretty neat. I was honestly surprised that I could just so easily pass like that. Yeah. Like it just took a haircut and a different way to dress. <laughs> yeah. And now you're a guy. Wow. <laughs> According to society, at least. Yeah. 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 I was always the person to just kind of sit there and let them assume I'm male because explaining all of that to somebody, all of being non-binary and the pronouns just was tiring. And I didn't want to do it every single time I met somebody. So I would just let them use that pronoun. I'm fine with those pronouns. They're fine with me. Right. So, I remember yeah. in elementary, you had a bit of trouble with pronouns because at that age group, before they hit adolescence, when they're maybe haven't hit puberty just yet, there's this very rigid thinking. And unless you live in a household where your family has told you consistently, like there are different kinds of love, there's different kinds of people, you know, gender is a spectrum. Unless you live in an environment where they're talking to you about these things and you understand them because you've been taught to understand them, it's very difficult for kids to put their heads around. Their initial reaction is going to be like, well, no, that's not, you're not a girl, you're a boy, or you're not a boy, you're a girl. Or what do you mean you're not a boy or a girl? What does that even mean? How is that even possible? It's very confusing for them. And I know you had some trouble with that in elementary for a bit, but it seemed like once They got used to like, this is who they are, how they represent themselves, who they are. I just need to get on board. Kids are good at adapting. And so eventually they will adapt. Um, Yeah. So the problem in elementary was utter confusion Mm -hmm. over me. And then the problem in high school was everybody knew, like people knew exactly what that was now and they didn't like it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wasn't there for that long either. Yeah, you took, I took a break from school. Took an probably, extended break and then uh, I left. Probably about a month, I think. And I was working with the school very closely throughout your time at the high school. And I spoke to the vice principal. I spoke to all of your teachers. And she recommended that we have a 504 plan made for you. And I thought, well, you know, Chad does fine with their education. They're like, no, no, no. This isn't about their education. This is about making sure that the accommodations that they need are given to them no matter what and no matter where they go. So we got the ball rolling on that. And just to clarify to those who don't know what a 504 plan is, I'll read this to you. The 504 plan is a plan developed to ensure that a child who has a disability identified under the law and is attending an elementary or secondary educational institution, receives accommodations that will ensure their academic success and access to the learning environment. Yeah. So mainly this was for, I believe, my autism. Um, It was, yeah. But but most people don't know this. It actually covers mental health as well. If you have anxiety that interferes with your ability to attend school, or to talk to your teachers or talk to your peers or working groups, they can make accommodations for that. Sometimes you have to do presentations in front of the classroom. However, if you have a 504 that says you can't do that, that that's too stressful for you, they can make accommodations for that. Uh, Sometimes they can have 
you record your presentation on your own and then play it for the teacher or play it for the class. Either way, they make there are accommodations that can be made. However, going to your teacher and saying, hey, I can't do this presentation, they can flat out say no, and they can give you a lower grade. Whereas if you have a 504, they can't do that. They have to go by your 504 plan and make adjustments for you. But within this 504 plan, we were able to add things like, you know, Chad is non-binary. Not that that is a disability, but they were willing to put that in the plan. as like, these are things that deserve accommodations, pronouns, preferred name. Less so that it's a disability and more so that it was kind of our best options that people would understand and not just brush it off. Right, right. To take it, take it seriously and to treat you with the respect and recognition that you deserve for these things. I'm glad that we got the 504 plan because that is something that actually stays with you throughout your schooling and that includes college. So for those kids out there who may be going to be graduating high school soon and think, oh, it's too late for me to do that. No, it's not. Get it done. Tell your parents, push for it. If it's something you need, if it's something you know is going to help you, get that 504 plan because it goes with you to college. And all you have to do is say, I have a 504 plan. Here it is. And if new accommodations need to be made and added to the plan, you can always do that. The 504 plan puts the the government on your side and schools are not going to mess with that. They're not going to mess with your 504 plan because that can be a lawsuit for them. And it's a way to advocate for yourself without having to do all of the legwork. Definitely look into that if that's something you think you might need. Eventually when you go to college, that's something that's going to go with you, Chad. And I think it's going to be helpful for you in advocating for yourself. Yeah. So after I left the high school. Um, mm-hmm. I went to independent studies. Which and was this, recommended by the high school principal. Yeah. And essentially it was kind of a smaller school. You would go in at a shorter amount of time than usual, work on one class for maybe a few hours and then go home. And that's what you would do for a month or two on one class. And you would take all of your classes throughout the school year like that. Um, you could slow down, speed up if you needed. For me, it was very much like online school in the sense that you, you could do the entire curriculum at your own pace, given that Mm -hmm. you finish it all within the school year. Right. You were able to go at a quicker pace than you usually were able to do in brick and mortar and even in online schools. And I thought that was wonderful because Part of your frustration with school at times was the fact that you were able to do your work quicker than the rest of the class, and yet you still had to sit through all of the lessons and the repetition over and over. And that got to be so boring for you. And that's why you spent a lot of class time reading is because you would finish your work quickly. You'd have nothing to do while everyone else was still working on the assignment. With independent studies, you were able to go at your own pace, which means you were able to breeze through classes as quickly as you wanted. No one was telling you to slow down. No one was telling you, oh, that's too fast. You got to go at the pace of everyone else, you know, and that was really, really wonderful for you. At that pace, you were able to eventually graduate early and then you're able to start college sooner, which is really what you want to do. Yeah. And 
this works the opposite way too. For kids who are struggling with not being able to keep up with the pace of a classroom, because each student is able to go at their own individual pace and they complete their work when they are able to do so. So it takes that pressure off of having to perform as quickly as everyone else and feeling like you're just not good enough or as successful or as quick a reader as everyone else. Like me, I need more time with material in order to absorb it. I need time to read it and read it again and then read it again before I fully understood all of it. And then there are people like you, Chad, who are able to read something once and absorb it all and remember it and are able to test well. I have never tested well. So I think that it's good for people who maybe don't fit the mold of a brick and mortar school environment. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that school environment and society as a whole can make you feel that if you're not doing things at the pace that everyone else is doing it, that you're doing it wrong or you're not good enough. And that's very damaging. That stays with you well into adulthood. You want your kids to feel successful. And if that means taking them out of that traditional environment and putting them into a less traditional environment, do it. Because it's not about what people think about the education your child is getting. It's about the education they are actually getting and how they feel about themselves. Yeah. And I'm really glad that we were able to do that for you because there were times where like, is this the right thing to do for my kid? Because I don't want to mess this up. I, I don't get another try at this. I can only raise you once. I don't get to try again and try again and try again until I get it right. You know, I worry about like making the best decisions for you guys as your mother. Am I doing this right? And I'm just really glad that it worked out well. But I also feel a responsibility like to tell other kids and other parents, hey, this worked out for us. And this other thing that people are used to doing didn't. And it's okay if you need to go outside of the norm and do something else. Yeah. It's okay to do that. It might seem scary right now, but it'll pay off. Your kids are worth taking chances on. Yeah. Often people feel they can ask very invasive and personal questions. And I know it all depends on the person that you're talking to, whether or not they're comfortable answering those questions. I know for you, there have been times where you've been like, I'm fine answering that. And then there's other times you're like, I don't want to talk about that. What are some situations that you've had to navigate in regards to that? It's been kind of peachy so far. Um, <laughs> I honestly, only one person has been asking, as asked before, and they've been pretty respectful. So for you, it hasn't been an issue. No, nope, unless you count, um, you know. That, yeah, family can do the same thing. Sometimes it comes from family. I think in any case, you should always be respectful and understand that ultimately other people's lives aren't really your business. Um, yes. No, they aren't. You shouldn't assume that somebody is open to answering questions, um, especially when you don't know them. Oftentimes, if somebody is willing to answer those questions, they'll often give out that information themselves. Other people shouldn't have to be your learning experience. Yes. Um, there's a lot of resources out there. You should look for the people who want to teach you rather than the people who are nearby you. Right. 
anywhere you go to a bathroom where, you know, it's a public one and there are stalls and it's shared. If you see someone that you don't think should be in there and they're not harassing anyone, do your business, wash your hands and go on your way. Just like you, they want to do their business. Leave them alone. (laughs) Just stay out of it. People just want to do their business in the bathroom. They don't want you harassing them. They don't want to answer your questions. And especially if they're minors, leave them alone. You don't know their story. You don't know their life. You don't know their situation. I think that goes for any area, um, any place. Yeah. They don't want to be interrogated. Just assume that they don't want you talking to them and they don't want you bothering them with that. If you want to be friends with someone, if you find someone interesting, refer to all the other social rules that you are already aware of. Be respectful, be kind, and don't assume before they've told you. You know, sometimes it feels awkward to ask someone their pronouns as if I'm assuming. So I like to lead with what my pronouns are first and then ask them what theirs are. Last but not least, advice for kids. Just stay safe above all. Absolutely. Always. I'd say do your best to be assertive, really. Shut down probing questions. And if that's not enough? Leave. Leave the situation? Talk to an adult. Yes. Talk to the adults at your school. Let them know what's going on. Give them the opportunity to do something about it. If they don't do anything about it, talk to your parents about it. If you can't talk to your parents, there are places online you can get support. Look in our episode notes for those resources. No matter what school looks like, keep learning. Yeah. Until next time. See ya. This has been Gender Euphoria Podcast. Special thanks to the yellow dress for our intro and outro music, Tummy in the Blood. If you or someone you love is in need of support, please visit the resources listed in our episode notes. You can find us on Twitter with at Gen Euphoria Pod. If you're interested in being featured on our show, email us at gendereuphoriapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll be discussing identity, gender, pronouns, sexuality, appearance, you know. All that stuff. No, then mathematically speaking, it gets harder every day. The chances of finding ourselves home again, of finding ourselves in the same way. The chances of finding ourselves home again, of finding ourselves in the same way. The chances of finding ourselves home again, There'll be days.